Right to Play, an organization that uses the power of sport to educate and empower children in disadvantaged areas of the world, has a lot of projects in store for the coming year, including some that will take place during the 2016 Rio Olympics. You're listening to the latest edition of ATR Radio. I'm Nicole Bennett. Johan Koss, president and CEO of Right to Play International, spoke with Around the Rings this week to discuss the organization's mission and road ahead as its members plan projects all over the world. Koss said that leading Right to Play has afforded him an opportunity to use sport in ways many people don't consider. Well, first of all, I think the power in sport and play around the world is totally underutilized when it comes to development of children and their communities in the most disadvantaged areas of the world. If you're looking at international development plans, like we have invested billions and billions of dollars into building infrastructure, and we have forgotten about how we build communities and people. And we know from, I mean, the, the Western world, somewhat, in, you know, our societies also in sport have had an incredible impact on how we are building our society. Uh, and sport has the universal language all around the world, and that should be much, uh, I believe, broader uh, explored and used in the world of development for uh, giving children both quality learning education opportunities, you know, protection from health and building their life skills. And we know that is a big benefit. So right to play has entered into this space many years ago, and we're calling it Sport for Development, where we are using sport program and play-based learning to advance the development of children and, of course, their surroundings and communities. Uh, so they can uh, literally learn how to look after themselves and look after one another in the, in their own areas. And we have had tremendous success and growth uh, where we now have over one million children in weekly activities um, in uh, almost 20 countries. And we have, you know, at now we're looking at transforming educational systems and their communities around uh, for people whose living in poverty and conflict. Um, and I think from coming from Norway and kind of being in the Olympic movement for the entire my entire life, I feel like this is some of the greatest things we can ex- give to the world uh, is the benefit of sport. What is a, a recent example of, of right to play at work in, um, in a country? So a number of examples I'd like to share with you. It's one in Rwanda, for instance, where we we started, you know, with uh, literally sport and play programs in the communities, and the, the schools saw the motivation of children to participate. So we were invited to teach the teachers how to do the activities in the school system. So in 2007, we measured on their attendance record with only 50% graduated uh, primary school. And over five years, by training teachers, following up, providing equipment, and obviously programming for uh, for the teachers and for the in in school program, we in 2012 managed to have a 96% graduation rate in those schools. The educational quality, so the academic performance, went from you know uh, the national standard acceptance around 43% uh, of the first. Uh, 50 who only qualified to now 86% are above standard. So there's an incredible improvement in quality learning. This model has now going to be expanded into 
12 countries where we are working in transforming learning, particularly what we've called in-service training of teachers to use sport and play as a tool to to educate children, particularly in classes where there are 50 to 60 students in the classroom and teachers have very little ability to have participatory learning programs for the children. Secondly, I will say an example is, for instance, in malaria, where still is the biggest killer of children under five. And if you can teach children to play-based uh, learning, like games, to educating children about how to protect themselves from malaria, you, you're really kind of engaging them in a new way to understand how to protect, and the children becomes the biggest protector from malaria. So we all know that you know, the most important thing to do uh, to protect yourself from malaria is to sleep under a mosquito net. And, you know, when you provide these nets, still, the, you know, the families don't use them. So in some countries and communities, we see that, you know, the compliance of use of nets are like 10 to 15 percent only. Uh, even though they have the access to the nets. And while we are training the children, like from 4 to 12-year-olds, and in games where they're teaching them why it's important to stay under the nets and having fun with the, uh, with the nets, etc., they become then the captains of the nets, and they become responsible for making sure that the nets are up in the bed at home. And we have got 85 to 90% compliance of uses of nets. I mean, that's... And that saved lives. So play can save lives through health measures. And we've seen that also in protection of HIV AIDS and other sexual reproductive health measures, etc. Well, and with almost a year until the 2016 Rio Olympics, that could be a- another opportunity for an organization like yours. What does what Right to Play have planned in terms of the 2016 Olympics? You know, Rio is a beautiful city, and has, but it also has its... Um, differences, you know, and we see a tremendous amount of program, local program in the favelas where I think that, and I hope that the Olympics will give them the ability and opportunity to expose strong programs so they can be growing because we know that program, even successful program, local successful program doesn't get enough local support as needed. So we hopefully the Olympics can give that exposure to existing programs are successful to take kids literally off the streets uh, onto the playground. Right to play working on mobilizing athletes as role models while they're going to the Olympics and understanding their potential for what they are when they are on the world stage. I mean, there is no better place to advocate for children's rights and give children opportunity around the world when you stand there and can... uh, can tell the story of the importance of play and sport when you, when you have, have won. Not in a political matter, but just in a humanity way. To tell the, your own personal story of success and, or endurance or even failure for the athletes who won't succeed, but who still have massive amount of learning from sport, can have a tremendous impact and give hope and inspiration to millions of children around the world. As they see that somebody on the top of the world is thinking about them. So aside from Rio, uh, what, what's ahead for Right to Play? We are really looking at transforming educational practice and improving quality standards. There was an educational summit in Oslo under the Ministry of Foreign Affairs as well as uh, United Nations looking at ways of innovative ways to improve quality learning in the school systems. It's not that it's estimated about 250 million children actually attending primary school who doesn't learn how to read and write uh, and have very poor liter- numeracy skills. 
we know that through a play-based uh, child-centered methodology, we can absolutely overcome that with a very small investment of in-service training of teachers. For us, uh, this is a massive way sport can contribute in today's biggest challenge where children still are not properly educated. And we know that education is the primary reason, both for, particularly for girls, for overcoming uh, their challenges and particularly uh, making individuals coming out of poverty. So we think we can tremendously impact the area of education. And of course, the second part is that we hope, in, together with the International Olympic Committee and the International Red Cross, that we will be able to address the growing number of children living in conflict and that we can access them with sport and play program. They deserve every right to play. And, and what would you say is the biggest challenge for right to play? Actually, our biggest challenge is resources. Um, a lot of people think that uh, this doesn't, shouldn't cost any money, but of course you need qualified personnel living in conflict areas. It's expensive, and we need to mobilize fundraising. So if, to be able to uh, achieve the goals and grow and share, uh, you know, of the cake basically for our own success and, you know, the wealth we have in the world, we should share more of that and particularly going into the organizations like Right to Play. And we do need more resources. So we hopefully have more people going on our righttoplay.com or our national Right to Play sites and have them help us to donate so we can reach more children. That was Johan Koss, president and CEO of Right to Play International, an organization using the transformative power of play to educate and empower children and youth. Be sure to check into Around the Rings online, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm Nicole Bennett. Thanks for listening.